Welcome back to another episode of the Growth Equation Academy. Today, we are talking about obsessive passion. So to frame this, last week we introduced the passion paradox. One central component of that is that we're often told, follow your passion. Well, following your passion can be wonderful, but it can also be pretty destructive. And in order to make it wonderful, we have to realize how it can become destructive so we can avoid that trap because it's a trap that can happen to everyone. The trap is called obsessive passion. All right. So let's dive into obsessive passion. So I think to do that, I think it's important to frame this and then and and look at it from a couple different areas. First off, if we look at passion and addiction, they're close cousins. Why? Because they they come from the same neurochemical, biochemical. Dopamine is a hormone that is related to desire. It pushes us to the chase. It um, drives us to you know want things. It's the molecule of more. It is not a molecule that is released when we get the reward. So it's pushing us to do the activity. So I like to think of it, if we go all the way back to our hunting days, it's the molecule that pushes us to go try to hunt the animal for food. It does not release when we accomplish that. Why? Because getting us out the door to do the activity is the important part. So it's this molecule of the chase. It narrows our world and focuses it on the thing that we are after. You can see why this might play a role in addiction, right? It pushes us to try the drug again, try the activity again. And as we kind of get in this cycle, we get more and more dopamine. We need higher and higher levels to get a hit. Right, pushes us to do more. Same thing happens in passion. When we're chasing something, we almost get addicted to this of uh, this chase of the you know dopamine pushing us to do things. So that dopamine is kind of the foundation neurochemically of passion, and then what direction it goes, as we talked about earlier, is up to how we decide whether it's harmonious or obsessive. But let's dive deeper on this obsessive variety. Yeah, and it's worth saying that there's nothing wrong with you if you are feeling that inclination towards obsessive passion. It's just how evolution programmed us. So the first passion, well, I guess there's probably two primary passions. One is to reproduce, to pass along our DNA. And the second is to hunt food, to feed ourselves and our family. So anyone that's ever had sex knows that the lead up to sex, the foreplay, all that great stuff often is what really excites us and feels the best of the whole, uh, the whole, the whole dance rigmarole. I'm not, I'm not used to talking about sex on this podcast, but it's true. And same thing with food. It's often the anticipation of a wonderful meal or a steak or a piece of cheesecake that feels better than the actual eating of it. And this is because back in the day when our species was first evolving on the savanna, We had no time to enjoy the food or to enjoy sex because we were in a fight for our survival. The minute you have sex, it's all right, time to find the next suitor to keep passing on the DNA. The minute you get food, it's, oh my gosh, there could be a new famine. I can't be content with this food. I need to find the next bit. 
So this drive to keep pushing, to keep experiencing quote unquote so-called successes is very much deeply rooted in our DNA. The only issue is now winning the fifth or sixth Tour de France, if you're Lance Armstrong, isn't the same thing as getting food to survive a famine. It is not life or death. But when we make those things life or death, when they become life or death, then we're willing to go to extreme measures, which is what we often see in obsessive passion. So how does it become life or death when it's not? This has to do with an activity fusing with our sense of self-worth and our identity. So when we look at this fusing of our identity and our self-worth, what happens is that transforms us towards this obsessive passion where we need to validate our sense of self. We need to strive for these uh, external validations to make ourselves feel whole and aware. And when we look at obsessive passion, there are two different kinds of paths or two different kinds of drivers that can push us towards this. The rewards-driven variety in which an individual becomes addicted to the external results, the recognition, the validation of others, the need to say, oh my gosh, I'm the best cyclist in the world. And then the other part is the fear-driven variety. That is when someone does anything it takes to avoid failure, the not wanting to disappoint our friends, not wanting to disappoint themselves, not wanting to bring shame or on their recognition or their reputation. And it's these two drivers, this rewards-driven or this fear-driven, which as Brad said, are both tied to our sense of identity, right? It's our sense of self, our sense of self-worth. It's either we're trying to prove it with the rewards-driven or we're so afraid that we don't want it to be taken away in this fear-driven. Yep, and the other component here can be when you lose your grounding with the things that actually matter to you. So passion for success replaces family, friendships, and doing the pursuit itself. So if Lance Armstrong would have been able to realize this tendency towards just winning at all costs, perhaps he could have doubled down on his teammates, his family, the craft of cycling, other things in his life that give him a sense of joy and identity versus constantly needing to be a Tour de France champion. And we're going to spend a lot of time on that next week as we talk about harmonious passing. But right now, the point we want to make here is to identify when your drive shifts from doing the activity because you love doing it to doing the activity because you want to get some sort of external validation from doing it. And again, we mentioned last week, you're never going to be all or nothing. It's just about not letting obsessive passion become the majority driver and completely take over. And I, I think it's also important to note, Brad, that obsessive passion works for a short time in terms of improving your performance. There's a reason that Lance Armstrong, for example, was able to, to win beyond the cheating. But like that obsessive passion can work for a short time. But it's almost never sustainable. It's like a it's like rocket fuel for your drive that quickly burns, but then burns out and leaves you with no fuel or looking and searching for another another route. And then the other thing I'd say there is there's all there's more obvious downfalls to obsessive passion when you utilize it. If you look at it, 
and you look at the research, although people, you know, are driven in their pursuit, they rarely can enjoy it, right? Lance Armstrong didn't seem like he enjoyed his Tour de France wins after a while, right? He wasn't satisfied because they're always after the chase. So even though you're passionate for something, you rarely have the end result, the satisfaction. You just get stuck back in that cycle. And then the other part of it is that it can also push you in places where you didn't think you, you know, might go in terms of your ethics and values. There's a lot of good, there's some good research. I believe it came out of uh, the University of Waterloo, which found that athletes who are obsessively passionate, like Lance Armstrong most likely, are more likely to engage in and have positive views of doping or cheating in sport. Why? Because that allows them to, again, accomplish their goal to sustain this this passion, so your ethical line gets blurred as well. And it's not just athletes, right? This is the author that's craving making a bestseller list and then goes out and purchases 3,000 copies of their own book under fake names. This is the um, consultant that lies about their findings in order to give the client what the client wants to hear so they'll be rewarded. Um, This is the person working in finance who cheats and engages in fraud so that they can hit their mark and their colleagues will love them and get promoted. Um, So the trappings of obsessive passion are universal. I think just about every human, when they're honest with their self, has had temptations to do these things. There's nothing wrong with the temptation. Again, this this is our evolution telling us to do this. What's wrong is when you don't realize that temptation and then take action to say, hey, this is obsessive passion. This is just evolution. This isn't what's actually going to make me feel good in the long term and shut it down. Or when you become so self-righteous that you deny that anything like this could even happen to you to begin with. We are 100% independent at the Growth Equation podcast. Why? Simple. Because we loathe so many of the ads that we always hear on podcasts and selling various hacks and other cockamamie stuff that rarely works. That's not what we're about here. In order to support this work, we offer a Patreon membership program. For the cost of a cup of coffee, you can support the show and get all kinds of neat stuff, such as exclusive podcasts, signed copies of our books, participation in a live book club, and a live quarterly mastermind group. To learn more and sign up, go to www.patreon.com slash the growth equation. And I think it's important to point out that you, you can see indicators in this or small versions of this obsessive passion in, in every one of us. And as you pointed out, that's okay. One place you might see this is um, in fear of failure right? We all have this to a degree, right? We all sit there and think, oh man, I don't want to fail. And that motivates you or pushes you to maybe sit down at your desk and send all those emails or, you know, sit down at your desk and write the next chapter of your book because you might have a deadline or you might have a boss who you're afraid of failing or confronting. Like that's normal. It, the problem comes when that fear becomes so overwhelming that it becomes the primary driver, right? We stop playing because we enjoy the activity. 
or trying to you know enjoy it and win and we start going into this oh i don't want to lose i'm afraid to lose what are the consequences and what happens is when fear becomes a driver everything is a threat right everything is a threat to avoid or to deal with instead of something instead of a challenge to take on and if we look at the research, psychologists have found that there's kind of these five big fears that are related to failure, which are fear of shame and embarrassment, fear of losing a positive self-image, fear of an uncertain future, fear of important others losing interest, like friends, and then fear of upsetting important others, so friends, family, and colleagues. And our goal isn't we're never going to eliminate these fears, right? but it's to keep them in check so that they don't become the primary driver, the reason that you're, you're doing these things. Because if they do, then you fall into the negative consequences of this obsessive passion um, and can go down a, a very bad path that is unsustainable. So it's not surprising that one way to hedge against obsessive passion is the same way to hedge against burnout. It's not surprising because obsessive passion generally leads to burnout. Why? Well, for all the reasons that Steve just said. Fear is a great short-term motivator, but if you're constantly in fear, you're going to burn out. Think of it like this. If you're on a hike and you see a grizzly bear, you are going to be scared shitless. You're going to have fear. That fear is going to heighten your perception. You're going to be very aroused. You're going to be able to fight or flee. You are going to be at your best in a weird way. Imagine carrying that level of arousal with you everywhere you went. It's totally unsustainable. You'd burn out. So obsessive passion in a way, because it's so connected to fear, fear of failure, fear of shame, all the fears that Steve just went over, it leads to burnout. So one way to protect against obsessive passion is the same way you protect about burnout, which is to focus on three core psychological needs that every human being has. And those needs are autonomy, mastery, and belonging. So autonomy is some sense of control over how you spend your time and energy. Mastery is a path of progress where you can trace concrete results back to yourself. And belonging, I think the most important one, is a sense of connection or communion with a craft, a lineage, a tradition, a community, other people, or all of them at the same time. So what's fascinating is that this is not only true for individuals, but it's true for organizations. Organizations who have strong adherence to the principles of autonomy, mastery, and belonging are organizations where people tend not to burn out and where their people are less likely to fall into traps of obsessive passion. Now, why is this? Our theory is simple. It's because when those things are missing, again, researchers call these basic psychological needs. They're really important. When they're missing, we try to substitute them. And what do we substitute them with? Likes, retweets, promotions, slaps on the back from the boss, gold plaques, top 100 places to work lists, on and on and on. All of these external sources of love. But you're looking for love in all the wrong places because true love really only comes from autonomy, mastery, and belonging. And I'm clearly using love not in the romantic sense, but in the sense of something that you care about, you pay deep attention to, and rewards you back. So obsessive passion is real. It can happen to any of us. Common ways to cite it are 
Uh, you're giving in to this temptation to just pursue success. You're getting more excited about the result of the thing than the thing itself. And how do you avoid it? Well, the first thing is the most important, being aware it exists, being aware it exists in all of us, naming it when it's happening. And when it is happening, then asking yourself, am I missing autonomy, mastery, and belonging? The answer is almost always yes. After our first burst, blah, after our first book launch, excuse me, for uh, peak performance, Steve and I were both totally burnt out, um, and we were probably both well too driven by obsessive passion. So we were pretty um, keen on practicing what we preach. And for our second book launch, we said, you know, we're not going to do the whole like crazy East Coast trip. We're going to actually just like hang out with friends and family the week that the book comes out. And we're not going to piss our publicists off. We're going to do as many interviews as we can, but we're going to do them virtually. And I'll tell you what, we both felt so much better during that second book launch because the first one, well, we might have had autonomy and mastery, although I'd argue we gave up autonomy since we were just on trains and planes nonstop. We certainly didn't have our community. And one of the best ways to stay grounded, particularly when you're experiencing success, is to fall back on true community and true belonging. All right, so to sum up this week's episode on obsessive passion and how to avoid it, addiction and passion are close cousins. They have the same underlying molecule, dopamine, which pushes us to pursue things. It's a desire hormone, the molecule of more, causes us to narrow. We evolve this way. We're all susceptible to obsessive passion. You are more susceptible to getting hooked on that external stuff, the external drivers, when autonomy, mastery, belonging are missing. Okay. Next week, we're going to dive into the other kind of passion, the harmonious kind, and how to cultivate it so that you can balance out obsessive, harmonious, make sure you're on the good path. So until next time, we hope you enjoyed this. And see you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.